Blog Talk Radio. Live from Chicago and Las Vegas, you're tuned in to the show that's always on top of what's trending. It's Page One with LeVar and Mary on Blog Talk Radio. Again, everyone, you are tuned into Page One, a special edition of Page One. I am LeVar, of course, here joining you from Chicago, and, of course, my wonderful co-host, Mary. How are you this evening? Basking in the weather, man. It's starting to cool off. It's like into only the low triple digits. <laughs> of course, triple digits. Of course, that's always good. Um, but as I've been talking about here for the last uh, couple of weeks, This is a little bit of a break from the normal of what you hear on page one, because for the longest time we've wanted to do a special show, uh, probably just, you know, one particular topic. And the one topic, of course, that I couldn't think more of is the topic of sex. And who else could I get besides someone who is not only uh, a star in adult entertainment, but she is also a certified sex ed sex coach. She's an industry mentor in the adult industry and also the CEO of Siren Triple X Studios, the one and the only and the lovely D Siren. D, how are you this evening? I'm wonderful. Thanks for having me. I know. It's it's good to have you here. We're excited because uh, there's a lot to talk about, but, you know, it's weird. I, I was telling Mary, it seems whenever we do these shows or whenever I do a show, Something always tends to break. And before I kind of get into anything else, I kind of wanted to get your opinion on the hot topic of the day because I think you had just uh, posted something about it on your web page. And it is about Bella Thorne because she has been trending all day. And I know it kind of hits home to you because you also have an OnlyFans. And for those who don't know the whole story about Bella, Bella, this week it was reported that she had earned about a million dollars in 24 hours on OnlyFans and that she had charged, in my mind, a ridiculous amount of $200 for photos that weren't exactly what we're used to on OnlyFans. Uh, Right. And a lot of people, especially those uh, in the, you know, adult entertainment industry, were not very happy, and they voiced their displeasure because now OnlyFans and a turnaround, it's, and, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, I guess the regular payout was every seven days, but now because uh, they changed it to now every 30 days. Uh, and a lot of people, since this has come in with COVID-19, I mean, this is kind of like their source of income. Uh, right. What are your thoughts on what's going on with this? Well, I, from what I understand, the 30 days applies for not in the USA. Um, it does apply uh, overseas. Um, so I, I don't think the seven days has changed for within the U.S. Okay. Um, and so I can't really speak on that exactly. Like, I'm not positive. I know I, I personally went in and withdrew my money today to see what happened. So <laughs> it's kind of an experiment. Just to see, like, you know, okay, how long is this going to take? It normally doesn't even take seven days for me to get my, my payout. So I'll, I'll just see what happens. But, um, you know, when originally uh, the story broke, I w- I'm all supportive of, honestly, any artist to be on OnlyFans. Uh, OnlyFans is not an adult-only website. Um, it, it, it truly is OnlyFans. Like, it, it could be any type of performer or artist however um our industry really that it, it started with our industry i actually know the people that actually started those fans originally 
Um, so it is something that was built for our industry. It was built by industry people. Um, it was purchased by other industry people. So it, it is something that is really built around our industry. However, it's a great platform that, you know, other um, industries will probably build off of because that's normally what happens is that our industry is very innovative when it comes to the Internet and when it comes to future expectations because, you know, we're not very, very backed by anything. Um, you know, um, for instance, you know, when it comes to government subsidies and the loans and everything with COVID, it just, you know, we're actually completely discriminated against within loan application process itself. Um, so it's, it's, it's actually written into the application that if you do make any form of adult entertainment or if you're even such as a lingerie store or a strip club or anything regarding adults, then you are not eligible for those ones at all. Um, personally, I was told by a loan um, advisor that, uh, unfortunately, even though I'm a, a sex educator, a sex coach, he believes in sex education, he believes in sex coaching. However, I could not show on my taxes where I designated the differences in my income. So, therefore, I'm not eligible because in the law, it's actually written out that they are not going to bail out the adult industry. And how it's a bailout, I don't know, considering it's a loan. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just, I don't know, it's terribly discriminatory. <laughs> um, and... And it's just really blatant. So, yeah, when, when something like this happens and you have a mainstream star, which honestly, you know, she, she had made a movie um, with adult actors in it last year. Um, mm -hmm. She was given an, an award through Pornhub um, for making the movie. And she's been very supportive of the sex industry and the adult industry. Um, so, her getting onto that platform, you know, for a lot of us, we thought, okay, you know, cool. Like she's supportive of it. But the issue is when you post something and you say, well, you know, the word news, then you put period and then nude again, question mark, like you're pretty much putting out there, like, and then a picture of yourself, you know, sort of covered up and then you charge $200. You're kind of pretty much saying advertising, well, what are you paying the $200 for? Um, right. Considering that all the people on that website are pretty much, you know, are sex workers. And, and we do sell, you know, nude photos. We do sell videos. We do sell clips. We do sell live shows. We do sell all those things. So if you're going to use that type of platform and you're going to put that on there and you are teasing by saying something and then you don't sell what you're selling – you say you're selling, then yeah, to me, I don't know. Personally, I think it's pretty much of a scam. <laughs> I, I don't hmm. think it's right. I do think it, it, I mean, her, her reason for it is that she's going to make a movie and a documentary of how OnlyFans works. And, and, and I'm like, but that's not, you're not really doing it. You're not, you're not participating in the process of OnlyFans or the work that we really do. Because it's a daily process, it's a constant thing. We're always working. Um, pretty much, if I'm not asleep, I'm always working. So, OnlyFans is all about um, intimate relationships with our fans and getting to know them and talking to them. And 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 during this period of time, like our fans appreciate that because it's it's definitely it's so much of a um, well building a like a friendship almost because people are just really craving that intimacy in some form or fashion that they're not getting because you can't go out and meet people <laughs> or talk to anyone. Right. So those yeah. are, that's why those statements are just so powerful well, um, is because they're, they're truly looking for some type of like connection. Um, so it really does look bad the platform itself and I know from what I understand well in what I've seen is there's like $600,000 in chargebacks which means mm. all those people are asking for their money back right. um, 
which to me is, is like, okay, well, shouldn't she be liable for that? (laughs) Hopefully she didn't get paid out, you know, that money because it's all coming back, you know, and, and credit cards are all being charged back for it. And and that just hurts only fans and it hurts the reputation. And, and I, I just hope people realize that it's not the, it's not only fans who did it. It's her. (laughs) And and now it's only put a cap on they also put a cap on like your tips like how much you can tip um mm. which which also sucks because like you know we have fans that truly support us and they will tip a lot you know they'll tip a lot for something or or they buy a um cup for it and they pay for it there so when you put a cap on it of fifty dollars or a hundred dollars well we may actually sell something that's worth a lot more than that and now you're making it a lot more difficult for that fan to have to pay for it in multiple transactions or we're just not able to use that platform for that purpose anymore. So it just, it's like one person just throwing a big kink in the whole system that actually supports an entire, you know, a whole large group of our industry at this point, because we're not able to, you know, make films outside of our own content creation independently because you know the entertainment industry has definitely been affected by right so there was a there was a tweet that was actually calling for her to donate those proceeds that she earned this past week that she's been out there for um to the industry in itself and to the different creators out on OnlyFans. what do you think about that would that be something that's feasible i don't think it'll happen (laughs) I don't think that's going to happen. You're um, like, yes, I'll take my chunk. I mean, I, I don't think she'll, she'll do it. But, I mean, that would be nice. And, and honestly, I you know, personally, I don't, I don't need her money. But it's just – but there's so many people out there that really do. I mean, they sell – you know, they're really working hard to just sell a $5 membership and really build a fan base. And, and they actually work so hard every day and so many hours a day just to, just to make – rent and, and you know pay their bills and when you have someone who has so much money already just for a big publicity stunt you know just to do something to go haha look I tricked you you know it just kind of looks like you know crap for us and and I don't know it's just not cool <laughs> it's especially because we kind of thought you supported our industry and right. and you kind of took advantage of that situation, and that's mm-hmm. and that's why everybody's so upset. Is is you know there's she's not the first one. There's an there's other influencers who have joined OnlyFans and they kind of do the same thing, um, not as not in large scale because of who she is, but you know they've also been kind of that way. Where you, I mean, you don't have to be naked on OnlyFans. That's not it's not a porn site, but mm-hmm. you know don't pretend like you're going to be. And, and, you know, falsely advertise yourself like you're going to do something and then just not do it, you know. So it's just a false advertisement. And keep in mm-hmm. mind, and keep in mind, her sister uh, Kylie and her mom are also on OnlyFans. <laughs> so it's a family yeah. business. Yeah, and, and, you know, like I said, I originally when she did it, I was like, I sent out a tweet. I was all supportive. I was like, I totally support any woman, any man, anyone who wants to use the platform, you know, to build their own, you know, fan base and to talk to them. Because I do, I do think Hollywood and I do think everyone as performers should talk to their fans more. I think that fan interaction is a huge market that people don't take advantage of um, because like fans would love to be able to actually get to know you as a person, you know, with platforms like Patreon and things like that now that are available to performers, uh, even in mainstream and like music, um, they're not able to do concerts where they make most of their money anymore. So now they're going to have to learn to use platforms like Patreon to do concerts or things like that where you're not doing a free concert on Instagram, but you're actually charging for tickets and things like that. And there's different tiers and people are crowdfunding and helping that way because they're going to have to learn to use the internet to make money. I mean, it has to be virtual. So it's, you know, it's a different world now and we're always the innovators who make it that way. And we've been working on webcam and we've been working virtually for a long time. So it's nothing new to us, which is why, 
when it comes to our industry um, and the and you know the pandemic and everything like that, it it's not a huge hit to us to have to stay home <laughs> because we kind of do that anyway. Um, we don't really have to work outside of the home. We don't have to go anywhere to work unless you're working for other production companies. Those are shut down, so the big mainstream companies can't really suit. Um, but small, small productions like myself, um, it's myself and my husband, and then we have, you know, performers come to us and perform. Well, you know, at this stage, we're pretty, just my, pretty much myself and my husband, <laughs> you know, but you just have to get mm-hmm. creative and what you do. Um, and, and really, it's just building your own brand in the first place, and that's how you, you know, become something where you've stuck around for a long time. So, yeah, I mean, that's my opinion on it. Like I said, I, I support everyone if you want to use OnlyFans. I, I actually have friends in the music industry, and I've told them, you know, get on to OnlyFans. Like, get out there and use it because they're hurting because they can't have their concerts and their local bands. And I'm like, get on there and actually talk to your fans. Like, charge them three bucks. Like, it, it doesn't have to be a lot, but three bucks goes a long way if you have a lot of people that join, you know. Right. So, yeah. It's a great platform, and I support it 100%. It's just like, just don't, I don't get why you would do it as some kind of big publicity stunt and then say you're going to, you're going to make a movie as if you were an OnlyFans um, create, uh, content creator when you really literally did nothing. <laughs> but, but something that's like a fake picture. <laughs> so that's not really somebody who's using the platform. <laughs> right. And, I'm I'm thankful that you're here tonight to actually talk about that one. One of the other things, though, why I'm glad you're here, because this has been quite an interesting year. Uh, With COVID and with everything happening, this has been the year in which, and you've been pretty busy. I mean, you've launched an intimacy wellness site. You, you know, at that point you've returned to mainstream porn for adult time. You've also... uh, you wrote about becoming a sex coach. A very interesting article. If you guys haven't read it, uh, it came out in July in XBiz World Magazine, uh, and you, you know, became a certified sex educator by the American College of Sexologists. And I was going to say, and at this current time, with everything that's happening, uh, you hear so much about, especially the importance of or questions about intimacy during this time of COVID. Um, But I guess let's go back a little bit here, because when we talk about intimacy or when we talk about sex, and I don't know, to me, it still seems to be that taboo subject that nobody really wants to talk about. And how do we break down these barriers and get people to – because if it's one thing we all agree with is that everybody wants to be loved, everybody wants to have a healthy sex life, but everybody kind of keeps quiet on it to the point of where it can affect them mentally. Why is it that we still kind of look at it as a taboo subject? How do we kind of break down those barriers as to where it's not so taboo, especially right now? Well, and that's, you know, that's really honestly why I, I've I've gone this path. I, I started in this business, not as, you know, a really young girl or anything like that or, or you know, young adult. I, I was a teacher. I'm, I've been married for over 20 years. I have, uh, you know, I mean, yes, I'm in the adult industry and that makes it different, but really, honestly, I have a completely normal life outside of my job. Um, you know, and if you, I, I, I kind of keep to myself because, you know, when you're in the entertainment industry, you kind of like you can't socialize normally, <laughs> like <laughs> because people know who you are. Once they find out who you are, then they're like, "Oh my goodness!" You know, I can't be around you, especially in Texas. <laughs> you know, oh, yeah. it's a little conservative here. Um, so um, it's—I don't know. I, that's my—you know—that's why I've kind of come full circle in my in my experience. Um, from doing this because honestly, you know, I went from being a elementary school teacher who was very, um, I don't know. I've always been a very sexual person, but I also was not very confident in myself. 
Um, and and now you wouldn't see that about me because I'm the polar opposite. And it's it's really all about the fact that, you know, with this experience, I've grown so much within myself because it was, it was like I, I began this whole journey with being on webcam and realizing that I am an exhibitionist, realizing that I enjoy other people watching, realizing that, I mean, I went from having literally no sex toys, not even thinking about that, you know, as a 30-year-old woman, to having ridiculous amount of sex toys and the size of my sex toys in this are ridiculous as well. But, you know, I mean, it's like in 10 years, you know, the difference is just ridiculous. But, you know, it's just one of those things where it's like I, no one ever even talked to me about sex. You know, I, I grew up in the 90s and it was like taboo to talk to your kids about any of that. So um, it's one of those things where it's like people have to realize that uh, sex education is not taught in school in any form, in any depth. Um, it's literally like, okay, sex education is about um, your period and, you know, about, I guess, some hormones. <laughs> it's not really sex education. And you're not, and so, so people are learning about it and teenagers are learning about it off the internet. And of course, where are they learn? What are they learning from? Is is likely adult entertainment, which they shouldn't be watching in the first place. Um, mm-hmm. So, I mean, mm-hmm. it, it's just a fact, you know. And I'm not, I'm not uh, saying that that's a good thing. <laughs> I'm saying that you know what we need to do is change it. And the best way to do it is to embrace the fact that it's, for one thing, not a bad thing to discuss, and start to open up to the idea um, that you need to, you know, people, people just don't need to be afraid of it. You know, we're all, we're totally fine with being so much violence. I mean, look what's all happening around us right now. It's just like violence, 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 but we're so strange about sex and that's just like the most natural thing a human can do. Um, and, and, I just think that society in itself has just put so much of a stigma on everyone um, and, it, and it starts at such a young age, like, and it, it, it's difficult for boys and for girls. Um, and just, you know, being, coming from a, a teacher, as being a teacher um, and being around children and seeing that just the rules of school, you know, that you have a dress code and, you know, children, girls are taught that you can't wear, you know, spaghetti straps because the boy may look at you. So now the boy is bad for looking at you and the girl is bad for wearing it. And you're thinking, well, what's wrong with me? Like, why am I, what's wrong with my body? Like, I don't get it. Like you're already stigmatizing children that you're, there's something wrong with them from a very early on. And so it's just a a whole mindset change that needs to happen that uh, we teach kids just the way early on that something's wrong with them you know, to even have a normal thought in their heads and that, you know, masturbation is a terrible thing. Well, why is that? <laughs> you know, everyone does that. And and especially women. Women, it's just totally put off as, like, what is wrong with you? Like, you should not be touching yourself. You're a terrible person if you do that, you know. And so <laughs> for me, I was unladylike. You know, what is wrong with you? <laughs> you know, that was just you so bad. Yeah, you and I both are that way. But no, that was the, that was where I was going to go. So we're talking about the stigma, like to break that taboo. But what about the stigma if you're the opposite end of that taboo? Um, Lavar and I talk about we're very open about everything beyond the show. But I am a very open person as well, and I have a teenage daughter that I'm open with. On top of that, so it's like if you're going to be doing something, I want you to come to me. I've done this. I've lived this. Hey, I have a child talk to me, I'll tell you what's going on so that I can educate you and not have your, no offense to your friends, but your dumb friends teach you because they don't know either. Exactly. I have three teenagers that are, well, one young adult, two, well, now two young adults, one teenager. Right. But I mean, they, you know, I definitely have always been the one that's like, okay, I'm going to talk to you about these things and no, you're not going to learn this. You're not going to learn crap at school you know, they're not going to teach you anything. And 
you're going to know it from me and I'm going to talk to you. And if you have any questions, don't feel afraid to talk to me. And this is not embarrassing and know that's normal. And, you know, just it's never been taboo in my house. You know, it's never been weird. The stigma, I guess. That I know that outside of my home, I know a lot of people that come to me and they're like, I can't believe you talk to your daughter like that. Or I can't believe that's a conversation that you have. Or I can't believe you're that open about speaking about sex. Or as soon as I even speak about sex, it's like, oh, you want to be with that guy or that girl or that, you know, and it's like, no, I'm just talking about sex. Sex is fun. This is what happens. I'm I'm sure you get that as well. So I'm just wondering how you fight that. Well, I've, I've actually, like, I... Because I got into this industry later in my life, I, you know, I've lost lots of my family. Like, they've cut me off. They, mm-hmm. you know, and and over the years, it's like the people that I, I finally realized, well, I even give a crap about, have slowly come back, you know, mm-hmm. and realized, oh, it's not such a bad thing. Um, when they realized, Oh, wait a minute, you know, in their minds, all they think that the adult industry is, is, you know, like boogie nights and, you know, everybody's just you know, on drugs and, and it's not, and we're all, you know, criminals and I don't know. And, and what's really sucks is that the adult industry and which again is a, such a stigma that I'm just like, so trying to like break through is that we're, I don't understand the idea that the adult industry is connected with any form of crime. Like, I don't understand why uh, sex trafficking is connected with the adult industry. That is right. two different things, completely two mm-hmm. different things. Um, oh, not, never in the 11 years that I have been in any form or fashion, and I know pretty much everyone when it comes to anyone, like, upper to everywhere in the industry that have I ever come across anyone who's actually been sex trafficked in the industry. And moreover, I do know girls that were before they were ever in the industry had been. And so it was more like the industry saved them from that. So it was, it's the polar opposite of that. And if you've ever gone to any kind of convention that the adult industry has, they have Exotica and they have AVN that fans can go to, you know, it's such a loving place and it's such a happy experience and everybody's just so excited to be there. And like I said, we're just so happy and intimate with our fans and just excited to meet everybody. And it's, and it's, you know, it's kind of like Comic-Con. I mean, it's just a fun experience to go to and everybody's just, has a good time and nobody like there's no negativity at all and our our industry is just so like um you know we're we're one of the only industries that women actually make more than men <laughs> um because mm-hmm. we you know we are the ones who actually are the performers and you know i mean sorry guys <laughs> i mean unless unless you're talking about you know um the other side at least on the straight side of porn <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> on the other side, uh, you know <laughs> On the gay side of porn, not not true. Like they make a lot, <laughs> um, but and props for them too. Uh, but yeah, they. I mean, but it's it's very it's a very positive uh, industry to be in, and and I just love when I can actually get together with everyone because it's just a, a really positive environment, and we all support each other. And I don't know, it's just nothing. It's not what everybody thinks it is, and I just think it all has such a bad stigma. And sex in general does, like you said. I mean, every when it comes to it, just the pu- general public, there's such a – it's just taught at such an early age in your head, your whole – you're bad for touching yourself. You're bad for questioning it. You're bad for talking about it. But children do and because they're curious. And, hello, it's your own body. And, of course, you're going to be curious about it. And why are you telling them it's bad? You know, why are you making their bodies bad? I don't understand why that's, that's even a thing. And, and honestly, I'm, in America, we make it much worse than other countries do. You know, other countries are much more open than we are. Um, so, yeah. I, I, and, I, and it always becomes a weird political thing, too. Like this year, you know, it's, it's a political year, so everything's, you know, yeah. I don't know, everything's everything's blown up and going crazy right now anyway. So I I guess we can, we can join them. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, 
for those of you who are uh, listening, this is a special edition of Page One, LeVar with Mary, and our special uh, guest, uh, adult star and sex educator, Dee Siren. And Dee, you brought up an interesting point here, because as an educator and as a person who is now really doing this uh, through, you know, through your studies as a uh, certified sex educator, there's always a question that I know, you know, growing up, I remember when I was in about eighth grade, and we had a special class where we had uh, some gentlemen who came to us and pretty much, you know, it, start, it started as a course of talking about, you know, free things. It went into pretty much uh, talking about sex what they knew, what they could teach us, and adults like grew in an uproar over this class. When is it a good time? Because especially, you know, kids grow up so fast nowadays. When is it a good, and there's a constant debate, when is it a good time to really teach younger people about true sex ed? And like you said, we're not just talking a video about, you know, your period or childbirth or, you know, what you go through when you get a little older, like, oh, boys all grow mustaches and their voice changes. Yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> when is it a good time to really discuss true sex education? Uh, um, does, do we leave it to the schools or should it be left to parents to kind of, like, gauge it and then do it themselves? Yeah. I mean, I, I really do think it all depends on the child. Like, I can't give you a specific age because I think it really depends on the maturity of the child. Um, and, it, you know, because every child's different. You know, some children are way less mature than other children, and they're not – they haven't been exposed or they haven't been but, – but honestly, if your children go to public school or your children have an iPhone <laughs> – <laughs> they're likely, if they're on any form of social media, they're likely going to be exposed. And and mm-hmm. it's going to be way earlier than you think. got to be realistic about it. Like, you can only block so much on your kid's phone. And mm-hmm. so you have to really pay attention to the fact that, you know, if you're, if you're not completely paying attention to what's going on at, with your child on their phone and what they're looking at, you probably should have that discussion with them then. Like, you know, you're going to buy your kid a cell phone, you know, when they're 10 and not pay attention, then you probably, you know, need to talk to them then because they're going to run across things that they just are not going to understand or see or, you know, you. I don't know. In my situation, I, I definitely was more like, okay, each kid is a little bit different than the next kid. and. Right. I don't know. I've never been one to hide anything. It's not like we're blatantly like, oh, let's just talk about sex all the time, you know, <laughs> nothing like that. Mm-hmm. But like, I, nudity is not something that like scares me or is weird. I'm not like, I, I don't know. I'm not one to hide. It. Like, I don't know. I, I, I was like hardcore nursing mommy. So, you know, they all nurse way forever <laughs> and so they were not, they were all used to mom not wearing a shirt because they were nursing kids and you know whatever they're used to that but um you know when it comes to other stuff it was like I don't know I never I never sexualized any of it like nudity is not sexualized to me so I you know even though I do this for a living that's not my home life and you know that's very separated so when it comes to teaching children, it's more about the child's maturity level, you know, what exposure do they already have to it? And do you feel like, okay, at this stage of the game, you've been exposed to this information, I need to talk to you about it. You know, because it's really, it is a parent, uh, it's their job to, to teach their children. It's not a teacher's job to teach your child about sex. Because the fact is, is that they, they're very limited in what they can teach. Um, you know, there is actual laws in place that say what they can teach and what they can't teach. And a lot of them are very puritanical. They're all very like, okay, well, you can only talk about this or that. And, again, it's very limited to, okay, you can talk about, you know, menstruation. You can talk about condoms. And you can talk about abstinence. And that's about it, you know. And, and you know you're pretty limited in what you know <laughs> so okay i can know that i can't have sex or i can have sex and and use you know condoms or birth control that's about it okay but i don't know anything else 
then I'm going to watch, I'm going to get on my phone and I'm going to see accidentally a pop-up of a webcam or Pornhub. <laughs> and then I'm going to go, oh my gosh, you know, like what's going on here? So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a big, like, break in knowledge because you're going from a kid who just learned about such basic things to pulling up their phone and all of a sudden seeing some information that they're just blown away by and they just don't know anything about it. Or parents need to be more aware (laughs) of what their children are seeing (laughs) and just pay attention more and know that, I mean, sorry, but kids grow up quicker than they used to because of technology. It's just a fact. And, and, well, I guess you brought up a point that just kind of struck something with me. If you're not going to talk to your kids about that kind of stuff, they might fall prey to those predators that are out there. Yeah. Not Definitely. so if you aren't going to be, if you're not going to be educating them, they're not going to catch all the signs and they're not going to be, they're going to be naive to that, I guess. Yeah. I mean, because I, I do, I do remember like teaching my, my students regarding like, like just as, as little as, you know, stranger danger, you know, okay. We taught about stranger danger, but that was just like, okay, if anybody's following you, you know, make sure you run away or go, you know, scream. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it's like everybody's a bad person is all I'm teaching these children is that everybody's a bad person. Well, that's not true either. Like everybody's right. not a bad person, but you need to be aware of like what kind of people, you know, may be lurking around you and, and maybe focus on what's and how to take care of yourself. I think it's more important to teach them knowledgeable, real information instead of fear-based information. Say, okay, mm-hmm. this is what the situation is. You need to be aware of your surroundings. You need to pay attention. You don't need to look like a victim. You know, there are certain things you teach people, like especially girls, women and girls have a different set of rules than boys. It's a fact. You know, they mm-hmm. just do. And because they're in a, they a more dangerous situation than, than boys are. So they are, they have to have different rules. And, you know, oh, so yeah, I've taught my daughter, look in the back seat of your car when you get in. You know, turn on, make sure you have your keys in your hands. Don't look down, look people in the eyes, say hello to people walking towards you. You know, don't ever look, act like, you know, you don't look at them. Because if you don't look at them, they think, oh, I can take advantage. But if you look at them and talk to them, they're not going to be like, oh, I'm not going to mess with her because you're not afraid of them. She's looked at my face. Yeah, exactly. I've always, my mother taught me the opposite. My mother said, if you don't ever look at them, then they won't hurt you. I'm like, you're crazy. (laughs) Like, that's the total opposite. What do you, you shouldn't have taught me. Like, that made me a victim. Otherwise, I mean, the truth is, if I look at that person and they walk up to me, they're going to be like, oh, I'm not going to mess with this lady. She's like, she's going to tell me off. <laughs> I'm not going to, I'm, nobody's afraid. I'm, I'm five one and short and, you know, blonde and, but they, there's no way they're going to mess with me because I literally will just talk to them. So then it just throws mm-hmm. them off their track. You know, it, they, that's not what they're looking for. I'm looking for somebody that looks afraid. So, yeah, I mean, it's just one of those things where it's like you've got, you've got to teach children the right way. And and when it comes to sex, it's the same thing. It's like, okay, use it the same way you would teach them how to keep themselves safe. You, see, you teach the same thing about sex, like how to say no. Consent is huge. Like, teach your children what consent means. Teach them. And that should just be in general. Like, that should just be part of understanding intimacy with another person like and and that's that's something i wrote about i just wrote a blog about intimacy on on my website um and, because there's all different forms of intimacy there it doesn't have to be a sex you know there's there's several different forms of intimacy you know it can be sexual that's just straight up what people think of when you say the word intimacy i do you know but you can have physical intimacy that's not, that's literally platonic and that's between a mother and a child or siblings or, you know, cousins or friends or whatever. And it can still include physical touch, but it's not any form of like sexual or sensual touches, just hugging or, you know, but, but you also have to think there's all different cultures around us and people do things differently. 
So, like, my, for instance, I, I, I bring my mother up because she's just so um, puritanical. <laughs> but, you know, mm-hmm. she's like, oh, my gosh, too much, too much um, um, PDA, you know, <laughs> public displays of affection. You know, what is wrong with those people? Why are those people hugging each other in public? You know, and I'm like, what is wrong with you? You're the one that has the problem. Like, right. people mm-hmm. hug each other. Like, why are you afraid of people hugging each other? That's just weird. You know, that's normal to hug each other. Like, it's normal to show displays of affection to each other. That shouldn't be an issue. Like, it's the fact that you have an issue with it <laughs> that is a problem. Because no. it, it's like you got to know your limits and you got to know what's okay and what's not okay. And I yeah. think that's where you, you have a problem is when you, when you cut off the uh, you shouldn't do anything you shouldn't touch each other at all, then comes in the predatory um, aspect of it that, oh, I was told no one should touch me, but and no one does touch me, but then you have a predatory side, which can kind of infiltrate that problem because that person's not confident and they don't understand that, oh, somebody may touch me. And I don't know the difference between platonic affection and sexual affection so mm-hmm. it, it gets kind of mixed up in your mind so that can be a problem you know and that just leads to, to issues um now, and then there's emo- you know there's emotional intimacy where it's just literally you know somebody that feels safe with you you have good friends you have parents you have siblings you know that that's just being somebody you feel safe without telling your feelings to you know sharing that is your intimacy. It doesn't have to be any form of, you know, touching at all. You know, you just share mm-hmm. everything with each other, you know, and that's what your parents and your sisters or your brothers or your best friends or anybody like that is there for. And, and right now during this type of you know, situation, physical is the least of your intimacy that you're going to get likely unless you're, you know, in a family or married or in a relationship, you're likely going to get more emotional um, intimacy than anything because you can talk to people, um, which, you know, leads to things like my webcam. <laughs> like, I mean, people, people go, oh, well, you know, you're just on webcam and masturbating. Honestly, my webcam shows mostly like a dance party. <laughs> like, I just like to sit here and dance. And I drink wine and dance <laughs> and, and talk, actually. And, and honestly, it's just like a it's just like I, it's either sick Thursday or Freaky Friday, and I just have fun and dance and turn on music and, you know, just just people to have fun and talk to me, and it's like you're not alone, you know? And it's honestly just a connection where it's like, hey, guys, you want to just want to hang out, you know? Let's all just hang out together. Because, you know, we're all alone, and even if you're with your spouse, that's the only person you're with all day, every day at this time, it kind of gets to the point where you're like, okay, I'm, I don't even get to see my friends, you know? So that's mm-hmm. the good thing about things like Zoom and the thing, things like, you know, webcam. And, and if you are a single person, you know, don't feel afraid to, like, log on to a webcam and talk to a webcam model. They're not all just there for, you know, masturbation or whatever. They'll talk to you. Like, <laughs> there's girls there or boys there or whatever that will actually like I have relationships with people friendships that I've had for shoot 11 years and it's all because they talked to me on webcam you know 11 years ago and now they've been friends mm-hmm. of mine forever so now Dee's quite modest because she didn't mention where that blog is at but I will if you go to her website at sirensexcoach.com and look under Intimacy Universe, and then you'll find the Intimacy Universe blog, you'll find the blog that she's talking about tonight. A great read if you haven't read it. So definitely go and check that out. Uh, one question I want to ask you. Uh, you know, I know they always say was that men are from Mars, women are from Venus. And I know that during this time, everyone has their own uh, issues, but as uh, I guess my question here is, as an, a sex educator, what do you see as the main issue right now or the main uh, topics of concern for men with sex, and what do you see uh, as a concern with women for sex? Um, main concern 
I think right now for women, at least in my from my experience, is just being. I, I mean, the relationships I've seen lately, it's more like not acknowledging women, men not acknowledging women's feelings, maybe not listening. Men have a diff- difficulty, like, actually sitting and focusing and listening to women because women, Sorry, you know, our stories <laughs> are kind of like, you know, spaghetti. You know, we like to spaghetti our stories around, and, and they kind of go off on tangents and all over the place because we're very, we're very holistic. Um, most of us are, at least. Um, I won't speak for every woman because some of us are very analytical. I am. Um, but, <laughs> but a lot of us are holistic, and so we like to spaghetti our stories, and, and they go all over the place. And a lot of times men will kind of just, like, want – they just kind of stop listening. And and I just think that's couples in general. Like, you know, you just get so used to somebody that you just kind of, like, tune them out where it's like, okay, I was really talking about something, and you weren't even listening to me. So, I mean, the, you know, what's so important is to know each other's love language. And if you've never heard of that, like, there's five love languages. And um, there's words of affirmation, which means you like to be told, you know, things out loud, like, thank you, and I love you, and just basically think, you know, you look nice today. You know, just compliments, think that out loud. Um, hmm. There's uh, gifts, if you like to get things for people or give give things or get things, either way. Um, there's uh, touching, you know, that's easy to explain. Um, and then there's uh, active service, which is one a big one of mine. You would think touching was, but it's not really. That's not a love language to me. Like, I do that for a living. <laughs> and so it's not really like a love language thing for me. It's just more like, okay, the, I do that all the time. So and for me, it's more acts of service or more of mine, like help out around the house, like help me do things or, or you know, help me get things done because I'm always so busy. Um, and then there's, um, that was four, right? And then there's, um, what's my other one that I, oh, there's one more. Uh, now my brain just went blank. <laughs> that okay. is the last one, I, that's me, and I can't even remember it. <laughs> I'm not reading this. I'm just thinking my head out loud. Well, um, I was going to say, while you're thinking of that, I've seen those studies where they say men that help out around the house tend to be a little bit more luckier in love. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like totally. Like I mean, because men and men tend to be more on the, the touch and the act, uh, and the words of affirmation. Like, they want to be told that they're doing a good job. They want to be told that they look good. They want to be told that they, you know, that, you know, they like, you like their clothes. They want to be, you know, told that, you know, they they just like you to tell them they're doing a good job. And then, and then of course, you know, the sex part is always, men are always about the physical touch. But mm-hmm. women, a lot of times, are way more about the helping out and the, which is the one I can't remember, which I'm going to have to look it up because it's making me crazy. Sorry. <laughs> <It's okay. laughs> like, I just went blank all the same, all of a sudden. Like, I talk about these things all the time, and I, my brain went blank. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's, it's so important, like, to know, like, your, your, cup, like, your partner's love language because if you don't, then you don't really know, like, what oh, – quali- quality time. Okay. That's the other one, just time. Like, and when I say quality time, that's what I was talking about, like talking. Like when I said it's not just spending time with each other, but quality time, meaning like you're actually paying attention. So you're not on your phone or you're not just, you know, your mind's not just going off somewhere else and you're just like, yeah, I'm listening to you, but you can't repeat anything that your partner just said to you (laughs) or you don't have a response because you're in another world, you know, thinking of something else. So, I mean, you know, kids always throw a, a wrench at everything. And, of course, you know, they always come first because that's just life. Um, you know, when you become a parent, you kind of just give yourself to your children. Um, but it's real important for couples to, you know, connect with each other as well and make sure you're not just completely ignoring each other because that always will, have a, you know, make the problem. But um, mm-hmm. I just think it's important to see that there's differences in each other and, and that each of us are, you know, have our own ways of, like, feeling like we're loved. Um, and once you know your partner's love language, then it's so much easier to say, oh, okay, you, you don't 
you don't feel loved the same way I do. So therefore I'm going to make sure that I do these things for you because, you know, my, like my husband, he's all about the touch, all about the words of affirmation. But those two things are not the two things that make me feel like I'm loved. Like he does those things for me, but I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> like, and I do this thing for him, but I'm like, those are your love languages. Like I need you to do these things for me. So, and, mm. and communication, like, that's the number one factor. You've got to talk. Like, you've got to open your mouth and say something because that was my biggest problem in my life is I never talked. I just sat and listened because that's just my nature. I, you know, I have a degree in psychology, a degree in sociology. I, I'm really good at listening. <laughs> and, you know, it can be detrimental if you never open your mouth and <laughs> say anything back. So, you know, I learned later in life that it's just so important to actually, like, speak your mind and actually, you know, voice your opinion and not just let somebody else just tell you everything and then you just take it all in and never really, you know, voice back what you want to say. So it's just so important to like, you know, have open communication with each other. So what would be your advice to those who actually do those things and actually are uh, communicating, but they don't seem to be getting the same thing back from their partner or a partner that they're interested in? Well, I mean, at the end of the day, I know what I would say. I would say, and move on. That would be my answer. My answer is, you know, if if you don't want to go into a general type of therapy situation where you're you're actually going and talking to, you know, a marriage counselor or or a psychologist, um, you know, that's what I do. Um, I have a more uh, like. whole like the more holistic approach to everything is is that you know i'm i'm all about couples i'm all about helping married couples you know work things out and and think because sometimes it's just thinking outside the box um sometimes it's just not realizing that you you just aren't you just don't know that you this person's thinking one way and they're thinking another um because it a lot of times our you know everything we do is just our brain and and it's so easy to think, oh, well, everybody knows what I'm thinking. Everybody thinks the same way I think, but they don't. Nobody thinks the same way you think. <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> oh, you should just know what I'm thinking, but why would they, you know? So it's everybody's very egocentric. Your ego gets in the way of everything. And so it's just so easy to, like, um, not think of your other, the other person before yourself um, because uh, – it's very difficult for humans to shut off their egos and, and say, okay, I'm not going to come first. What do you want? You know? So I think, you know, therapy always helps because you actually, there's a moderator there's, and that's what really a therapist is, is a moderator um, to say, okay, stop. <laughs> you let this person talk now. And, I, and it's really more about, okay, now listen to this person, and then you ask a question. So, yeah, I mean, that's why a person like me is here is, you know, I just, I'm more open-minded. So if you have, like, a, a, in, like most of the people that come to me are, are people who may not feel comfortable, like, say you have issues, um, I, say you have issues, um, you know, erections, or you don't you know, in the bedroom, like you want to spice things up in the bedroom or, or you just don't have to like communicate that you want to try something new with your, your partner or, you know, you don't really know how to, because a lot of things about sex, people don't feel comfortable about going to like a, a traditional therapist. Right. Um, I know I didn't, I know I did it. And me coming from the world that I live in, I've gone to many traditional therapists with my husband and, the, immediately when I say I'm in the adult industry, either they become completely like um, obsessed <laughs> with the fact that I'm in that industry and they're like, wow, really? That's so cool. And that's all they want to talk about. <clears throat> or they blame everything on it where it's like, oh, did he make you do it? Oh, did he do this? Oh, did he do that? Or do you feel like you've lost yourself in him? And I'm like, whoa, 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 <laughs> hold on. Like, oh. you've got the wrong idea. Like, it's a weird judgment thing. So it's mm. like, okay, that's, that person didn't work, you know. So there's so many therapists we've gone to that just don't work. 
you know, where it's like, okay, they didn't even hear anything we said. All they heard is adult industry, and they already made the judgment of what's going on. And it's like, no, 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 you're getting this wrong. Like, you're not paying attention to what that has. The adult industry has nothing to do with our issues. (laughs) Like, we want to talk to you about something else. (laughs) So it's like, yeah, we're fine on that end. Like, we're great working together. We have this other issue. (laughs) But yeah, it's one of those. It's like it's real hard to find people sometimes if you are in a non-traditional relationship, um, such as mine, which we have a more open marriage. Um, if you're in the polyamorous relationship, if you're in a, you know, if you're in a um, any form of non-traditional relationship, um, I don't know. I you know even gay marriage, even bisexual marriages, even you know things like that. It's so much more difficult to find therapists that are able to talk to you and actually understand because it's it's just you just don't feel comfortable discussing everything with them so that's why you know there's people like me (laughs) kind of send through everything and understand and get like oh don't feel uncomfortable discussing everything with me so I do get people that just discuss like literally people from other countries that you know they feel shame about things like masturbation because that's actually like built into their DNA because their religion has put so much shame into it that they don't feel comfortable about even doing that with themselves. So it's like, okay, come to me. And they, we talk about it and I explain, you know, it's okay. And, and they, you know, we talk about different ways to do it and, and it's, it's all talk therapy, but it's just a way to, for them to understand that it's okay to like yourself. Like it's okay to touch yourself. You're not, you're not, it's not shameful. So, wow. yeah, there's so much shame in, in sex that just, like, people have to break through the stigma of the religious factor and the societal pressure that right. just, yeah, just been a put on to people that just somehow need to break through. Well, there's so much so more. Then I have to... an, I, yeah, I was going to say, I have another question, or ten, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> No, we. Mine would be that. Mine would be. What's your opinion on? Do you think that actually? This is going to be the good thing. Do you think COVID nineteen was actually good for people? Because now it's making people talk about things. It's making people reach out to other people, especially since I'm single. I know I am. Versus just relying on what you used to do. I think it's. I think it's like the big wake up call. I think it's the big woke. Like everybody's woke mm-hmm. from this kind of fake reality that we were all living in. Uh it in my opinion. Like I think that's why there's so much unrest. I think that's why there's so much happening around us is because everybody's woken up like, wait a minute. Everything around us has not really been that real. Like, we're not living authentic lives. We're living in this kind of, like, uh, dystopian society that's not really realistic and it's not happening. I mean, considering who's our president, it's kind of like we're all living in a the Truman Show. So, yeah, I mean, I, I do think it's, it's caused everybody to be stopped. Like, it's made everyone stop and look within ourselves, look within our families, look within our, our homes, and really see what our relationships are like with each other. I think if you have a really good relationship, it's just gotten better. I think if you have uh, an okay relationship, it's probably, you know, you've had to work a little bit on it. I think if your relationship is not good, then it's probably gotten worse. You know, I know that mm-hmm. the statistics on domestic violence are a lot higher. I know the divorce rate is a lot higher because I think it's really made people realize, wait a minute, I don't have any outside influence um, to take, escape to, and this is the reality of what I'm actually living in, you know, mm-hmm. where I don't get to go out and be with my friends. I get to go to work every day and escape from my life. Or my, and my kids, and instead, this is who I really live with, and this is what she really does all day, or vice versa, and mm-hmm. do I really 
do I really like that person, <laughs> you know, and, and are they really nice to me or are they really not? Or, you know, I mean, there's just so many factors to it. So I think it's given people just a realistic view of what their lives are actually like. And I think it's changing a lot of people. I think it's just a, a big wake-up call because you really see what people are like, you know, even within, like, families. You know, I know personally I've had lots of personal discussions with my family and my parents and, you know, how generationally we're different. And, you know, even my kids, you know, there's just so much more broadened with their, with the, you know, their views. There's so much which I love, which is great. You know, it just tells me that I raised amazing children, <laughs> you know, because they're just so oh. open about everything um, where, you know, my parents are not so open-minded because, you know, they're in their seventies. <laughs> so it's like, okay. And from the South, you know, so there's just so many mm-hmm. like different that are, it's like, okay, these are the, this is what your views are, but I respect, you know, I respect everybody and I respect the fact that there's, you know, something happened because people, are in different generations and sometimes you just have to talk to people and, 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 you know, just like educate them. It's all about education. Mm-hmm. It's all, all about talking and like truly communicating and sitting down. Like I've had, you know, we've had so much more time just to sit on the back porch and talk. And, and even though I have so many, I have a lot of time to do that anyway. Like that's my job is not uh, one where I have to leave all the time, but like, with my parents, like I had a lot more time to just actually sit and talk to them and, and with my husband and, and we're not just, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm always so busy. I've actually started like four other businesses, <laughs> I've been so busy, but, I, but I think it, it has really, you know, let a lot of people just embrace the fact that, okay, this is, you know, where I live and this is what I do. And I know I don't have to leave home to go work and we're going to have to make this work somehow, you know? So, Mm-hmm. Either either they make it work or they don't make it work, and then they figure something else right. out. And yeah, so it I think it has it is a big wake up call for everyone to see what their real lives are all about, <laughs> without all the distraction and the short attention span. Well, Dean, we Amen. definitely loved having you on. I feel we need to do a part two because there's so many questions and there's so much that uh, we're learning here tonight. Hopefully, down the line when you I'm have. Down. I would just you to come back and join us. For sure. Yeah. Uh, now, to wrap up where D is at, because I'm going to miss some things, we will post them on our website, but among the main things that you guys have definitely got to check out, uh, D also does podcasts as well, right? She does uh, her Siren Sexy Secrets along with her husband, Wayne. Uh, new episode every Thursday. Great podcast if you haven't had a chance to listen to it. But you can go to Siren's Sexy Secrets dot com, and you can catch all of those there. Of course, these uh, other websites. Go ahead. Uh, it was it's on YouTube, so you can just go to YouTube and type in Siren Sexy Siren Sexy Secrets, and it's right there. So you can watch it, or you can listen to it on any of the podcasts. Uh, and then, of course, it was uh, mentioning earlier her uh, Siren Sex Coach dot uh, com website, where you can find the blogs. Uh, and especially what Dee was talking about earlier this evening. And then, of course, she is on Twitter at Mrs. Siren. Uh, on mm-hmm. the web, MrsSiren.com. Of course, Dee's over on OnlyFans as well. Tonight she was over. <laughs> she, she's doing everything this year. I was like, when do you find a time to sleep? Uh, I don't. Like, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Like, all, I'm, all I ever do is just add more to my plate. Honestly, that's that's my way of coping with, uh, I don't know, depression and anxiety and stress is just to, like, <laughs> add more it to my <laughs> Like, here, well, what else can I add? What else can I do? <laughs> like, then I don't. <laughs> well, it's good to see you everywhere because well, we're definitely fans, and I would tell everyone to make sure that you follow all of our pages and, uh, of course, this interview uh, will be here on Blog Talk Radio as well as on Apple, and you can uh, catch it back there as well. D. Siren, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Uh, I know you, uh, luckily, you dodged a, a main uh, issue down there with storms in Houston, and we're glad, uh, and we hope that uh, things continue to go smoothly down that way, and definitely we'd love to have you back here soon. Oh, yeah, Absolutely. 
And that will do it tonight for page one. So uh, for Mary and myself, I am LeVar, and for our guest, Dee Siren, definitely go and follow her. We'll repost this on our website over at News Comet BTR, but definitely uh, a lot of thanks to her. Oh, also, special thanks uh, to Tanya Tate over at Star Factory PR. Thank you, Tanya. Uh, and we will hopefully be uh, talking to you again soon and uh, talking about a subject that's very important. And, uh, you know, I'm glad that Dee was here to uh, open our eyes to a lot of things. So uh, take care, everybody, wherever you're at. We'll see you next week here on page one. Good night. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Page One. Don't forget to get the latest show info on Twitter at News Comment BTR and add us as a podcast on Apple.